<clears throat> Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaByUs.com. Today we're going to watch, talk about our watch list, and we're joined by David. Hello. TJ. Hello. And Kelly's with us. Hi. So we're going to talk watch list, and then we're going to talk reality roundup. Spoiler alert, it's going to be Survivor Finale. And then do a little bit of news, and then what you should watch in this holiday season. But first, let's do the watch list. We haven't heard from David in a while, so David, what you got on your list? Not too much. I got a couple things. Uh, maybe a couple things I think I've seen. Maybe one or two of you have. And then one thing I, a bunch of us saw, but not all of us. So I rented uh, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. I wanted to see that. I, I caught a trailer for that when I saw Hearts Beat Loud in theater. Yeah, this is the one where Joaquin Phoenix plays a cartoonist who is in an accident and becomes a uh, paraplegic. Yeah. And... He, it's more about his alcoholism and uh, going through recovery and AA. And he's got this, his sponsor is Jonah Hill as uh, he's kind of this new AG. So um, I, uh, I liked it. It's, it's Joaquin Phoenix is always uh, intense, but he's, um, he's pretty funny as this guy. It's, this guy was famous for having um, controversial cartoons, like really basic far side level of artistry actually a lot less than that and a lot of his cartoons dealt with his uh either alcoholism or his depression depression and uh his uh disability that's kind of interesting the the movie kind of animates some of that stuff in his life there's kind of some flourishes there but essentially it's a kind of by the book kind of biopic of this guy well that's gus van zandt was uh wrote and directed it yep and uh, I think I recommend it. Uh, it's also, I think, some of the best thing, one of the best things I've ever seen Jonah Hill in. He's really great as this kind of uh, new agey, spacey kind of uh, AA sponsor for these guys. He's got this great scene where he um, he has a disease and he kind of breaks down about the stress of um, trying to teach people hope and faith and the people that come and go through the the program over the years. Um, I would, I'd recommend it, though. I rented it, I think, because I just wanted something to watch. It should probably show up on, you know, for free streaming. If it gets there, I think it definitely crosses the threshold for might be a interesting watch. Cool. How's Jack Black in it? Um, he's, he's not in it a lot, but he's uh, the scenes he's in are really good. Yeah, he's in a scene early on where Joaquin Phoenix is still boozing pretty hard. Yeah. And he's kind of a drinking partner for the night. The night that something kind of goes haywire for Joaquin Phoenix's life, and he's he's really good in in that part, and uh, that's pretty early on in the movie, so not not a spoiler there. He also makes amends to him later, and it's a really really uh, good scene. Yeah, I don't want to call it a renaissance for Jack Black, but he's been he's had a good year. Yeah, from Jumanji, <laughs> he's so good in Jumanji. The, the clock that house built. Yeah, <laughs> whatever the fuck that movie's called. And Goose, Goosebumps too, also this year. And Good King was this year too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, very yeah. early. That's, this year. that's like the yeah. first 2018 movie for any of us. Uh, yeah. And uh, I don't know if any of you guys have watched his the animated series they did for Post Apocalypto, their new album coming out. Uh-uh. They did a five episode web series. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet, but I just saw on Instagram they they posted a fake for your consideration reel for best picture for post apocalypto. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jack Black's had a good year. Did your wife watch this movie with you? No. Cuz it's got Kim Gordon in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should have told her that. She probably would have been up for it. Yeah. Did you say it was based on a true story? Yes. Okay. Which do you know which cartoonist it is? Is it James Callahan? Yes. Okay. John Callahan, I think. John Callahan. I was just thinking when you said like controversial artist, I was like someone needs to make a movie about R. Crumb. They have. <laughs> okay. Good. It's called Crumb. Okay. Yo, crumb believable. Did he die related <laughs> to the injuries? Do we know? Or was it just something else? I think it was something else. Okay. It wasn't that long ago that he died. It also has uh, Rooney Mara in it. Yeah. She plays a Swedish flight attendant. Rooney Mara, Kate Mara. Yeah. From the most convoluted name thing ever. Yeah. But yeah. they are sisters. Yes. But yes. well, they both pronounce their names differently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Like how you that do. works. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how it works when your parents met. Because they both own different NFL franchises. They're <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, pretty privileged. <laughs> you could say it's uh, M-A-R-A pronounced gold. <laughs> um, other thing I saw was, uh, I kind of had a, 
I had not I had not heard of it, but I heard of it on a top ten list. So I guess I did hear heard of it. <laughs> I did hear. <laughs> Gosh, struggling today. Um, it's an Argentinian foreign language film by Lucretia Martel. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, she directed a movie like 10 years ago called The Headless Woman that I randomly picked up on. Um, it's called Zama. It's about an Argentinian kind of government official in like colonialist Argentina. People like the embassy kind of comes over from Spain. When is colonial Argentina? It's like the, it's still like the 1700s. Okay. So he, he's got like the. I guess the Americans did get colonized around the same time. For yeah. <laughs> Everyone was kind of a hungry, hungry hippo in the new yeah. world at that point. Um, it's really interesting. There's the dichotomy of the these Spanish kind of officials that they are trying to introduce this order to this you know savage land, and they're wearing they go into some buildings where they have to wear the powdered wig to to be in there for official business. They have like fancy shoes and all this stuff, and that's contrasted with the the chaos of the region where there's um, hmm. wild animals running everywhere. There's like naked uh, locals that have these these rituals that they perform. Naked animals. So you're gonna yeah. say great boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, the thing I'd uh, my letterbox review say it's the closest to it's like um, it's like a serious man by Coen Brothers in colonial Argentina. So super Jewish? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it's this, it's this government official. Because Argentina and Jews don't have the best history to <laughs> Yeah. This guy's Don Diego de Zama. And from the get-go with the movie, the universe starts to punish him. And he just, okay. he just wants to leave the region, and he needs his governor to just write him a letter saying he can go to another town. And it's just a series of complications with him leaving and his life kind of falling apart in kind of funny ways some it's not nothing's tragic some dramatic ways sounds a lot like a serious man yeah, yeah. he eventually uh, kind of goes off the grid and tries to hunt for this bandit <laughs> out <laughs> like the swampland of Argentina it and it's fun it's nuts they they paint him red and they like attach him to a tree to die and it's jeez it's freaking nuts I have a question about the headless woman you've seen this movie <laughs> yes does it deliver on title no damn <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, that would be hereditary. Zama <laughs> <laughs> um, was, uh, you were asking me when you watched it before the shortlist came out if it was this year's, it was last year's submission for Argentina. Okay, okay. But uh, yeah, if you're looking for something to kind of complete, uh, you know, looking for a, a fun entry in a top 10 list by the end of the year, it's a really interesting movie. Was it streaming on something or did you run it? It's streaming on Prime right cool. now. So it's free. I would recommend it right now. It's in my top ten because just it's so of movies you bizarre this year. and unique. Yeah, came top ten for twenty eighteen for me. Even though it came out last year for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll retract everything I said. <laughs> no, I mean I don't. I don't know what to do with foreign films. It's weird because normally my role is just like Oscar eligibility. What was that? But with foreign films, it's weird because it doesn't have to. Yeah, we, we could not have access to it. And then maybe as a uh, segue to broader discussion, the only other movie I saw was Netflix's Roma. Yeah. Roma. Yeah. Yeah, Kelly and I watched it last night. I didn't, but talk talk freely. It's uh yeah, it's Alfonso Cuarón movie. <laughs> <laughs> About a family in 1970s Mexico, and there's a maid named uh Cleo. Cleo, that's right. And kind of just slice of life stuff kind of happens from there. It's it is a it's a very sweet movie. Kind of a it, about like the love that she feels for this family, despite being like a hired worker, and the love that the children and the uh, matriarch feel for her. Mm-hmm. Kind of as the overarching story there. Uh, I really liked it. I mean, I don't think that it's going to be a big surprise. This is being touted as maybe the year's greatest film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I really liked it. I liked it a lot, and I don't normally like films like that. I normally get bored mm-hmm. with them, and I thought it was very well shot and very well acted. And there were lots of puppies, because there's apparently a lot of like wild dogs. Stray dogs, yeah. 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 So <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Did you all love the driveway with the run of dogs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the driveway just covered in dog shit. <laughs> I have some questions about the movie. Ask okay. away. Hey, mostly they'll be for David. Did Koran, was he the cinematographer for Gravity? Or there no. was somebody else, right? I think it was somebody else. Because they got one. Because I know that when that movie came out, it was seen as like a cinematic 
mm-hmm. like crazy achievement with that way. So he was a cinematographer for Roma. Yeah. How I was, was how I was, was reading that he this was his first cinematography credit. Okay. Oh. That's what it looks like here. Um, so, so I thought he had a guy he worked with. I wonder if he did. He he consulted with that guy. I okay. read an interview with him afterwards. Because um, there's lo- there's lots of like really overt symbolism, and then lots of just like oh I threw this in here, and I was trying to see if those were like homages to other movies or what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, he consulted with uh, his cinematographer that he's worked with for a while. I don't remember his name. I think is uh, Gravity uh, Emmanuel Luzbecki. That's it. That's he it. did yeah, like yeah. Children of Men, and that's and who he consulted with. with. Um, but he he was the cinematographer and director of photography because he had to be because he didn't let anyone read the script he shot it chronologically and only told the actors the day of what they'd be doing that day so there was no script that was distributed to the cast or the crew at all and also he was his own editor too so he's the only one kind of assembling the final version yeah um you know it was inspired by him growing up it's basically like from his memory yeah that was all his touch points for making it feel real is that's how he grew up in 1970s Mexico. They had a household where his dad was a doctor, and they had maids that they felt extremely close to, like that, family members. That one maid got to meet the lady that played Cleo, mm-hmm. and apparently met her on the day that she experiences that tragedy, and told her the story. That reaction from her was real. Apparently, she just couldn't stop crying on set. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. apparently happened. Yeah, how was Yelitsa uh, Prisio? Was she because she's getting a bunch of buzz? Is that Cleo? Yeah. yeah. She's really good. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's a stat category this year for the Oscars. But. Really, really understated, beautiful performance. Lots of her reflecting on kind of the situation because she is in this weird world where the family keeps reassuring her that she's one of the family, but then there are, there are times that like interrupt that where she gets an order barked at her by the mom. It's um, like, we want you to come on vacation for us, and, you know, it's for you, too. But then she'll be taking care of things or... Like, know, dressing the kids. performing duties. Yeah. And so there's... there's it's, it's a really great performance for someone who has to play an individual torn between two worlds and trying to live in both. And then there's a point in the movie where it throws the third one at her, which is based on her upbringing and her personal life. Mm-hmm. Which is like, <clears throat> I think the most the most interesting part, like part of the film is when they, it's not about her as a maid or her as part of the family, but it's like you you and probably the family forgets like oh she has her own personal life that kind mm-hmm. of like juts into here at times and throws hurdles at the situation. She has a relationship with Fermin, and you know she goes to Fermin's like home city, and it is a wild contrast from kind of the pomp and circumstance and noise of Mexico City. And it's just like, yeah, it's a slum, like, where they're, they're like, on a loudspeaker saying, like, so we know that you guys want access to clean water, and, like, we're working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is a nice, not, not really side story, because it is so important to the character, mm-hmm. but interjection. And then when she, she is with the other urban house help on mm-hmm. New Year's, Kind of like the juxtaposition there between like being a being like a, a city nanny versus like a country nanny. Yeah. Uh, I think is is incredibly interesting. I think he does a great job. Um, the only way I can really describe it is like with the textures of these worlds. Yeah, is like the, you spend a lot of time looking at, and it's a it's a slow burn movie. You it's definitely you have to pay attention. There'll be tracking shots just looking at pavement as it's being cleaned and it's smooth in the city. And the scene you're talking about when they go to the the back country, the kind of Mexican favela yeah. equivalent, is it is just like pockmarked mud holes. Yeah. And the people are walking over and walking through. On like wooden just planks. Yeah. yeah. As bridges. The sound is also very visceral throughout the movie for something that's just like a slice of life movie. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's lots of long scenes of her just cleaning. And it's it's really mm-hmm kind of electric how good the ADR and sound work is. There's a racial component, too. Yeah. Um, she's a lot darker. She's a native uh, mixed tech. I think that's what Chris mm-hmm. told me. That. It, it's Yeah, it's kind of shorthand. She's like half half Spanish, half native. Um, and so she has this like... It's, it's kind of... Obviously, Coron is very intelligent, but it's kind of genius to shoot in black and white for this... 
Uh, mm-hmm. A, because it kind of helps you lose the sense of time mm-hmm. and just like experience it as, you know, as a, a story from yesterday or from 100 years ago. Um, but also because it, it, it really highlights to us, you know, you know, we're for white people, just like how different the, how true a racial difference can be even among people who in the U.S. we would see them as, you know, homologous. They are, she is a very dark-skinned uh, woman mm-hmm. and the kids are, there was a point where I thought that one of the kids was adopted. They're very light-skinned. Yeah. <clears throat> The matriarch almost looks, you know, the high contrast black and white. Yeah. Basically looks kind of European. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she's um, very European features, too. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. she's probably like a very, and I don't want to talk about like bloodlines, but very like true blood Spanish mm-hmm. um, in like Mexican like colonization history versus, you know, these people coming from the, the backwoods of Mexico are, are, you know, much darker skin. Mm-hmm. Um they're and, also out in the sun doing right. labor, unlike all of the richer people that don't have to do any of that themselves. Yeah, so it's it's a. I don't think that that it that it says a lot or it like is deliberate about a message about race, but it is certainly there. Like the contrast is ever present. And it starts from the beginning. Is uh, the the way the subtitles work is the bracketed subtitles are in is in uh, Mixteca. Mixteca, yeah. That's the separate language from the Spanish that's spoken by the other characters, and uh, the Cleo kind of has to code switch between the two a lot. Yeah, she's she, there's there's another housekeeper, I think, like Marida or something. Adela. Adela. No, um, right. And so the two of them speak in Mixteca, and it isn't until a while into the film that they start speaking in front of the kids and in front of the in front of Miss Sophie, where you realize like. Oh, they have their own language. Like they're 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 communicating outside of this relationship. Yeah, it's really neat movie. Perfectly subtle. Everything was perfectly subtle. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing uh, you know. Talking about, it, it's kind of weird to think of this movie in Oscar terms because it's just so intimate. It's about memory and identity and stuff. But because it's so subtle, I don't know if Yalitza Aparicio may end up going there because it's very. She's a, one of those very true-to-life performances rather than being big. Those seem to get more nods in supporting yeah. categories than they do in lead categories. Yeah. Even yeah. where she has big, where she breaks down, it's like like human reaction rather than you know playing to the back row kind of... Than theatrics. Yeah, there's yeah. No, no snot in her tears. You know, yeah. Like the right. Viola Davis crying. And it's... And like the... I think her, her two big scenes, uh, you know, the one in the hospital and then the one on the beach... She is, she's really, she is acting while the action happens, like, away from her. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she's in the foreground in the in the hospital, but that's not where your attention is drawn at all. Mm-hmm. And on the beach, you're not watching her, you're watching kind of the cast together. Mm-hmm. And that kind of uh, understated acting and letting everyone else's emotions kind of take center stage, even though you are, like... Far away, the like the center to the story is, I think, really great acting. Mm-hmm. The scene in the hospital, it freaking devastated me. Yeah, I was just bawling by myself watching it. I feel like he gets buried a little bit. Coron does being part of that, like you know, having the best friends he has. Yeah, Del Toro and Enrique. Yeah, I know Del Toro is probably my favorite. I know Chris is a big Enrique fan. Yeah. But how does this fit for y'all in the Quaron filmography? Just so you know, I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen the first two, but I great seen, expectations. Yeah. And he has children and men too, right? Yeah, yeah. E two Mama Tambien is one of my favorites, but uh, he also did the what Minnie C is the best director in Harry Potter film, Azkaban, mm-hmm. and then Children of Men, Gravity, and Now Roma. You have the three Quaron's probably my favorite of the the, nice. the three amigos. I don't know. It's a movie you kind of really have to sit with. You kind of digest for a while. I can't really place it yet, and it's so different from like the um, obvious technical marvel of Children of Men, or the you know fun coming of age of Itimao Tambien, or the obvious technical marvel of Gravity. <laughs> it's weird that he gets lost out of those three. Not to talk about Koran forever, but because he probably is the most like technically proficient mm-hmm. of the three. They all three do different stuff mm-hmm. really well. Del Toro is my favorite. Yeah, I just too. like the monster fantasy element mm-hmm. that he brings into all of his movies. And Kwan was the first, right? 
to win. First uh, to win, yeah. First Latin American to win director or an Oscar director, probably. I think director. Yeah. Although I can't think of any off the top. Pedro Pedro Almodovar won for screenplay before okay. him. And he's always edited. I didn't know that until just now. He's always edited his films, huh. which is crazy that he undertook editing Gravity yeah. and uh, yeah. Children of Men, especially as editing feet. Yeah, and they're always like his movies are always like tight too. They don't feel indulgent like some directors kind of editing their own stuff where everything's precious. You know, most of the times a director's cut is not as good as a regular cut because they they keep everything in rather than killing their darlings. Yeah, it's weird. I feel like his movies get a lot of credit. And I feel like Children of Men kind of slides outside of our friend group under the radar for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's so good, though. And it also, I guess, didn't get the, like, award season buzz that a lot of them did, except mm-hmm. for... Just I mean, Azkaban movie. didn't either, but you don't need to when you're doing a Harry Potter film. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, the first one that's kind of for adults. But cool. It is worth a watch list. It's on Netflix now, and I don't know for you guys, it's 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 the entire splash screen when I boot up Netflix. <laughs> it starts in black and white on the beach scene, and then you gotta, you know, then do uh, Great British Bake Off or whatever. You want to do. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's uh, oh, um, I, I saw one TV show. Uh, also, Amazon Prime uh, Homecoming. Sam Esmail, who does does uh, Mr. Robot. Directed it based on a podcast from Gimlet Media. I've listened to the podcast. Yeah, me too. Yeah, great cast on the podcast, and they kind of do just as good. If that's the one with like Oscar Isaac and uh, and Catherine Keener. Catherine Keener. Yeah, yeah it's Julia Robert and uh, Stefan James. Yeah. who's in Beale Street now. Uh, really good. The thing I'll say about it is, man, do I love, and I never knew I would love it. A thirty-minute drama. There's something really unique about the pacing that they can do when it's only 30 minutes, where it's like incredibly satisfying. Sometimes uh, 45 minutes to an hour for like normal hour-long dramas, you can kind of get bogged down a little bit, or I mean, it's too long to spend with some of those emotions. But I loved the having a 30 minute into this uh, kind of mystery story. I know where it goes, and I like where it goes mm-hmm. for the podcast, so I'll keep listening. But if it was 45 minutes or an hour, I don't know if I would have continued. Those first couple episodes are yeah. slow. Yeah. And Julia Roberts isn't that good in them, I feel like. I mean, I'm sure she gets better because yeah, she's I think super she gets, talented. she gets better later, but it, it's part of... Uh, That's kind of how the podcast was, too. Yeah. Though. The first couple episodes are kind of a drag. I listened to the podcast, too. I liked it a lot. I think I've listened to all fictional podcasts that, that are out there now. <laughs> I got really into that for like a year. Did you um, listen to Bubble? Yeah, listen to Bubble. Good. I think my favorite is probably uh, Lime Town. You listen to Lime Town? Mm-hmm. I, I've started it. Yeah, it's fun. It's not great, but it's super fun. Yeah, so I'd recommend it, especially it's easy to fit into your life, 30-minute episodes. and uh, Ten episodes total, I think? Yeah. Yeah. So, less than... And some are actually pretty short. Some are right around like 22 minutes, yeah. and some are like 35 minutes. Essentially watch like two movies. Yeah. <laughs> Knock it out. And especially if you'd like, I'm a, I'm a huge Sam Esmail fan from Mr. Robot, so there's huge directorial flourishes throughout the whole thing. Cool. That's it. All right. Do we want to hear from TJ? Kelly and I just have uh, all of the same, I think, that we're going to talk about. So doesn't matter if you want to hear from me. <laughs> I got nothing for you. <laughs> <laughs> you have nothing? <laughs> nothing. Okay. I, I mean, I watched... Uh, the night before, because I like having Christmas shut on this time of year, and I'd never seen that. That's the... Jugo Love. Yeah, Jugo Love, Anthony Mackie, Seth Rogen movie. I thought you were abbreviating the, the night before Christmas. I'm like, that is a weird word to drop off that title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The night before is a movie, because I keep wanting to call it that mm-hmm. when I'm trying to read about it. Mm-hmm. I gave it four stars on Netflix. It was, I was, me and Cass were both laughing the entire time. Mm-hmm. Seth Rogen gets really fucked up early on a bunch of drugs. <laughs> it's Seth Rogen... It's kind of like the Channing Tatum, Jonah Hill jokes mm. in 21 Jump Street. Yeah. They're just so funny when they're real fucked up on everything. Yeah. And the shit that's going through his head, I won't say I know from experience, but I do know from experience. <laughs> it's really funny. Where he'll be like, I took too many shrooms and now I've done cocaine. And he's like, I need more shrooms. Bounce it out. <laughs> You've never seen it. It's really, it's really good. It's on demand. I think it's yeah. FX maybe mm-hmm. streaming right now. But it was really funny. Also, just like all three of those guys. Yeah. Anthony Mackie's really good. That's it. Cool. Okay. Well, Kelly, what did we watch recently? I have a couple that I watched without you that we don't have to touch on much because most of them are over 15 years old. Um, oh. I started Deadwood. 
Deadwood is phenomenal. I'm very happy you started it. I'm but, excited that other people have watched it because I thought Chris had watched it and we could talk about it. No. And I started talking to him about it and he was like, what are you talking I've never seen it. Mm. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm on the 11th episode of the first season. Mm. How many it's, seasons? Three. I think it's only... Yeah, it's not many. But they're making a movie, so I wanted yeah. to watch it before the movie came out. Mm. It's a... Uh, Chad has been on the podcast too. It's his like favorite TV show of all time. Yeah, I can see that for Chad. Uh, yeah. Ian McShane is incredible. Yeah, uh, is he good? Timothy Oliphant is at the. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like him. He's great too. He's good and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And John Hawks is his uh, business partner. He's, Saul. He's, yeah, Saul. He's pretty good. Always a fan of John Hawks. Me too. Just the whole cast. Is, it goes so deep though. Um, all these people you you end up kind of loving their little you know eccentricities and all this stuff. I love the language in that. They say cocksucker so much. That's what Chad yeah. always talks about is the language. <laughs> yeah, it's apparently true to the time period. About you know they didn't really do old western style dialogue. It was closer to like almost Shakespearean. Like Elizabethan. From the, yeah, yeah, from the time period. Just mm-hmm. so many. Uh, I think I've said flourishes like seven times this podcast, <laughs> but uh, a lot of flourishes in their dialogue, a lot of like fancy man speak. <laughs> <laughs> Come back to flourishes. But it's, just, it's, it's so satisfying, uh, uh, you know, a back and forth conversation. Anyone talking to Swearinger is, you know, always electric. I think Chad's told me three or four times about like that. That's uh, all they say. There's some like soliloquy where Amy Shane's getting a blowjob, delivering this like master, like five minute soliloquy. <laughs> I don't know the context, obviously. I've never seen it, but Chad thinks that's like one of the funniest scenes I've ever seen. I'm excited to finish it. I would recommend it so far of what I've seen. Um, I also have been trucking through King of the Hill. I was pretty wow. young when that show was popular, but I always watched it with my parents, and I always thought it was kind of cute. And now that I'm an adult going back and watching it, there's a lot of really funny humor in it. Mm-hmm. It is so much that went over my head. It's so well written. Uh, Bobby Hill is the best character ever made. <laughs> Bobby Hill is great. Full stop. Cassandra's also running through it now. Um, and there are jokes that I I never was like into that. You know, like I never liked South Park and Beavis yeah. and Butthead and all that stuff. So I never, I kind of skipped over King of the Hill. But there are some jokes I hear every once in a while that are really fucking clever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's one I laughed at the other day. It was a Christmas episode. But Bobby got a pair of like old man like matching pajamas. And he, he just goes... Terrific! I can save these for when I'm forty. <laughs> it's funny going from Bobby because it's like heartfelt. <laughs> he actually means it. I uh, I, f- I forget how much I love the jokes about Peggy Hill being awful at Spanish. <laughs> like there was something that we were the one where where they do the running of the bulls where Peggy is dosing Hank with testosterone. Um, where it's the the Arlencitos festival. Arlentino. Arlentino Festival. And uh, just the way that she, like, makes H's silent in words where it's not supposed to be, because that's like, well, that's Spanish. <laughs> right. And then and she's just... I, I think Peggy Hale is probably my favorite character upon rewatching a lot of episodes. She's great, too. She's just awesome. I love how they tackled the, like, we want to have these, like, not white neighbors. Yeah. They're predominant in the show. We're just going to... Tackle that in the first episode. Yeah, <laughs> it's like get it out of the way, see if it works. Um, I thought that was really smart of Judge and Co. Yeah, and we just watched the episode where um, the former uh, Dallas Cowboys linebacker moves in next door and starts giving Con shit, and they they do like the Con's like, well, our rednecks are respectful. <laughs> <laughs> like like our hill- hillbillies go to bed by nine o'clock. <laughs> These hillbillies are up until midnight. <laughs> They're passed out by nine. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good. And it's on Hulu. I'll, I think all of it is. So. Yeah. It's nice. a it's a task. I didn't realize there were so many seasons. Um, mm. But I'm enjoying it. Um, I won't talk much about the other ones I watch about Chris. But Man, I, you just reminded me, though. I want to watch. There's an episode of it. It's like a whodunit. And it's in the yeah. fire station. And, oh. It's like the JR parody. Yeah. It is. I've, God, I totally forgot about it. The episode is so funny. You get all four of them retelling what happened, like who burnt down the fire station. Yeah, that one's in, uh, it's pretty early. It's within the first five or six seasons, because we, I, I watched it. Yeah. It's done like an Agatha Christie, like in, in Arlen. It's mm. so funny. My right. favorite is the gout episode. Bobby gets gout. Bobby gets oh, yeah. gout because they open up a Jewish bakery and he just starts eating. Jewish deli, yeah. <laughs> he starts eating liver. <laughs> He's like, I don't know how to stop. <laughs> 
I just love that at every point after that episode, whenever Bobby's given like a treat for food, it's always like a Reuben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a corned beef sandwich. The only other things I've watched, y'all, I've started a couple of Ken Burns documentaries. I just have the TV running all the time. Um, I started The War, which is good. It's about World War II. And I watched Ozark, the second season of Ozark. Oh, yeah. I don't that's think anybody else really watches that. I'm so, I, so the first season, I started the second season, but I kind of fell off from it. It's good. It was weird. I, I have a friend from high school. She was in my prom group, and she was in it. And I mm. as a stripper, as like, like a speaking character, and I had no idea. So that was kind of a nice little surprise. Like, oh, I know you. But it's very good. I would recommend it. I don't know if anybody else watches it. I want to see it, but last year was so bad for you to watch it and to tell me that I need to watch it because TJ and I were doing our... Uh, kamikaze on movies mm-hmm. the death march so yes. so any opportunity to watch a movie uh, or TV show movie one every time but there'll be a point where I'll be able to mainline some Ozark they're, they got some some SAG and Golden Globe noms for a couple of the people in the show people praise Bateman for his because I mean, his whole thing is he was contacted to be in that show I think either that or he pitched it and I think he was contacted though his, his response is pretty much like I want total control and I want to direct it it's mm. like the only way you'll get me to star in it. It's but a great direction. Yeah, they, he gets, he's like heavily praised. He was on one of the Hollywood Roundtable TV to like creators last year. Um, so I guess we can talk about the stuff you and I have been watching together. Yeah, yesterday we watched Christopher Robin. Oh, it's so good. Is it good? I it's hear, so I've heard good. mixed things. I mean, I, I'm a... You heard mixed things from heartless people. Oh. Sweet. <laughs> if you liked... Uh. I grew up with Winnie the Pooh. That was one of my favorite things it was, growing it was up. My, it was my number one thing. If you like that, then you will love the movie. It's It's got a lot of those... Whoisms that are so good. <laughs> also love food. I was laughing out loud because you know the, the story is uh, Christopher Robin grows up, right? And they have to go help him. Yeah, and Pooh goes to find him. Kind of a Peter Pan esque, yeah, hook esque story. Yes. So I was laughing out loud at all of those like, yeah, the Winnie the Pooh isms that he would say to just like people on the street would be like, what? Because <laughs> it's 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 just it's just charming and delightful mm-hmm. and. Uh, the same voice actors for a lot of the characters that did the original animations and like yeah, you know Pooh coming is up. Jim Cummings, yeah. I think he does right. that. And Tigger too. Mm. Um, and then, uh, God, I had his name when we were watching it, but I forgot it already. Uh, Eeyore, because the, the voice of Eeyore has Brad changed Garrett. a couple times. Brad Garrett is it for mm. this, and it's perfect. Oh, it's perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah. This uh, probably rivals the movie Up for some of the saddest uh, first ten minutes of a movie. Well, Jesus. Oh, well, because it's all about him growing up yeah, in the first ten minutes. Yeah. I see it. I just... Yeah. Well, he's still alive, though. <laughs> That's, That's true. kind of the saddest part of Up. It's it's just, like, really delightful, and it's charming. And it's, we, you know, one of the compulsions now is to watch things on shortlists. And it's shortlisted for visual effects. And we both thought that the, um, the animation for the 100 Acre Wood characters was really good. Um, trailers look cool. They are. Like, right it looks like real fur. It, yeah, I don't know how they did it. It's it looks like fur on a stuffed animal. It was just perfect. Yeah, it's it's you know you hear a lot about how much time and effort goes into animating hair. But this this is like it's it's really good. Um, kind of like piglets, like threadbare face with like a little bit of fur on it. What is your face doing right now? It's got to go. It's got to go through my beloved Paddington too, <laughs> for the cuddly visual Which, effects. Way better. The you year. still can't rent. Right now. You cannot really? rent Paddington 2 right now. I've kept trying to watch it. You have to buy it. And I've almost bought it several times. <laughs> Paddington 2 cannot be rented. Only bought. <laughs> you talk about hair, though. I mean, a lot of that stuff is individually done. It takes a shit ton of time and money. I mean, that's oh, yeah. why I like the most expensive animated film to create still of all time is Tangled. Because yeah. they individually did all of her fucking hair. I mean, it basically bankrupted the movie studio that Square Enix set up uh, when they made their terrible Final Fantasy movie. Because they, because they focus on the hair. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it is a big part of this video game. So much time and energy animating hair that like those crews have beautiful hair. Yeah, but But yes, watch it. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. it. I didn't think we would laugh so hard. We were, I was like laughing out loud, gut laughing. Yes. Just adorable. I also heard mixed things, so now you guys got me excited to watch it. Is it streaming anywhere? Is it? It is right now. I'm not sure if it's available to rent, but it is available to purchase on Vudu. That's where we all saw it. In case you're listening, Paddington 2 is available on HBO. <laughs> it's in like, uh, there's this like super indie local guy who writes uh, for his, he's got a movie website, 
and he cast knows him or kind of knows him knows of him and I was looking at his top 10 list and it's like super indie shit and like dark shit and the number 10 is Paddington 2 <laughs> I just I said it last podcast but I just love that Brat Pitt keeps calling the Oscars cowards because she doesn't think that they're going to nominate Hugh Grant for best actor for Paddington still 2 still one of the best performances of the year for me really <laughs> it's just really good nominated for a BAFTA last year yeah <laughs> I thought it was funny at first I made fun of it but then you watched it yeah we sat here it. in this room and went how is Paddington 2 good like how can it be so good there were big time film critics that called it the best film of the year yeah last year we thought that er crazy we thought that we were being fucked with somehow apparently it's what it's like the undertones of the brexit stuff is kind of plays prominent roles in paddington 2 i don't believe it (laughs) xenophobia and incarceration (laughs) i'm so excited to watch it it looks so good very wes anderson too the first Paddington also in the running for a saddest opening 50 minutes of a film. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> fucking heartbreaking. Uh, and the other thing we watched. An Innocent Man? Yeah, An Innocent Man. It's a documentary series, or docu-series, as the kids say, um, based off of the John Grisham nonfiction book about the investigation of two crimes in Ada, Oklahoma in the early 80s. Um, it was the uh, rape and murder of one woman and the murder of another woman. And just kind of how... So real fun. Yeah, real, real, real upbeat. Uh, we're, we're suckers for these docuseries. David, I know that you're, you and your so, wife are pretty crazy about them, too. It's a Netflix, right? Yeah. Which yes. is their bread and butter yeah. the past few years. It's, the it's the, the true the crime docuseries. Yeah, it's got the same feel as Making a Murderer. Yeah, all those other ones the did. religious one or the cult one. Evil Genius. Yeah, yeah. all those. Keepers, Staircase. Keepers, yeah, Staircase. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. I mean, Netflix knows how to produce a documentary series about... Uh, you know, police bungling of investigations, and that's 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 what this is. It's kind of a fun take as the mystery unravels because you get the first episode is the intro on the first murder from 1982, mm-hmm. and then the second episode is is about the murder from 1984, and they are seemingly different, and then they start to kind of come together in one theme, mm-hmm. uh, following this <clears throat> team of prosecutors uh, in Ada. And, like, the lead investigator for OGSI, which is, like, the Oklahoma like, Bureau Investigation, you kind of see how maybe this team for the government kept relying on their old tricks to solve these very hard-to-solve murders. Um, and it's cool. There's, there's a point where one of the defense attorneys starts to coalesce these theories into one combined theory for both murders and how these two people from the first murder and these two people from the second murder might have been convicted under the same pattern. Um, the same false pretenses. Yeah. All relating to like using them talking about dreams they had and skewing that and saying that it's confessions and videotaping it. Even though some of the facts didn't match. Yeah. We're wildly different. There's a lot of bad science done to convict them. They, they talk about how they it's, used to microscopically analyze hair. And that's the thing that's crazy about it is it, it wasn't bad science at the time. It's what they had. They didn't have DNA evidence. They just had hair comparison. It's one of those things, though, that it took them a lot of work to get exonerated. And, you know, not all of them were. I don't want to spoil anything for the show. And we haven't finished it either. We ha- yeah, we mm-hmm. haven't finished it. But they have to do all this work, even though there's all this evidence coming out that this hair analysis is bogus. They're still in prison for several years until they can get an appeal and have the Innocence Project come and help them. Yeah. It's, it's another one of those things, like in Making a Murderer, where you're listening and they'll say something and you'll be like, wait, that how does that happen? How does someone get put away for that long? How does someone screw up so badly and have so many breaks in these checks and balances that these people can be incarcerated? And it's just mind-blowing because it is true. It's it's not a fiction. And it's yeah. almost so insane at parts that it seems like a fiction. That's actually... It opens with, with John Grisham talking about why he wrote the book An Innocent Man, uh, which was his first non-fiction book after writing 20 successful books previously that were all fiction. And he said that he started doing research on these murders in Ada and was going to write a a fiction book kind of loosely based off of it. Mm -hmm. But then he stopped and changed directions because he thought that he would, people wouldn't believe the based on a true story tag. So then he shifted and instead wrote like complete nonfiction kind of the details surrounding these. Mm -hmm. Investigative kind of work. And these, these cases are so notorious, you know, I, you know, not born then and wasn't, you know, watching famous murders at the time but uh, apparently uh, a couple of a couple of techniques used by the, by the police in Ada are now used by 
psychologists who teach here is a here's an example of a coerced confession mm. like you know the murder of this woman like how the police tricked these guys into confessing mm. so they're like no- notorious cases um, they're, they're teaching cases pretty yeah. much to show how wrong they were handled yeah it's really good uh, I, I would recommend it especially if that's your jam uh, right now that's what pops up when we turn on Netflix is it's like mm. continue watching and it starts like the brutal rape and murder and it's like yeah Netflix <laughs> You know me so well. Yeah. But yeah, so I'd recommend watch it. I think Kelly would recommend it as well. I would. It's gripping. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? 500 things, but I don't think anything else that you haven't discussed. So I think that we need to talk about uh, Survivor. Yeah. We just had the Survivor. Come on in, guys. What? Come on in, guys. Oh. I was like... That was my Jeff Prep. So let's talk Survivor finale. <laughs> I always do giggle whenever they're doing some challenge and you just hear Some of the time It's like not even like Fijian. <laughs> yeah. Just like some other country. Man, I was so close on my gold dairy predictions. Yeah. Yeah. They do the where you're not like picking the the like win rate. Right. You're picking where they'll place. Yeah. And I had Davy and Nick swapped. That was it. Mm. Uh, I figured one of them go out early, one of them would win. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I was, I was thinking Davey was going to win. Yeah. Yeah, I Brent asked me what I thought of it on Friday. And I was like, it was good. Like it's 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 a good finale for it, but once once Nick kind of figured out that he had control as this like winch, it was I feel like it was pretty sewn up for him. Yeah, I had to vote at 6-4, but I knew it wasn't going to swing enough. Yeah, for Mike. Um and then it ended up being 7-3. Yeah. I had all the Mike votes pegged except for Davy. Oh, Davy. Yeah, I knew Christian would because I've I've read some about how he like wants the game played and how he thinks it's like optimal gameplay. Yeah. Apparently, his Ponderosa videos. Anybody watch that? Uh. Uh-uh. Anybody watch any Ponderosa videos? No. Mm-hmm. You can go online. Ponderosa is the mansion like resort they put them to when they're voted out. Um, they all live together yeah. and they do like twenty minute videos every time somebody's voted out. Like they go to the medical tents the first place they take them and they tell them how much weight they lost and they make sure they don't need to go to the hospital or anything. Mm-hmm. And then they take them to the house. And apparently when they got there, Christian was started like a workshop on like the science of how to play Survivor. And everybody just sat in like a theater sitting <laughs> and listened to Christian <laughs> talk for like an hour about how his op- what his optimal gameplay is. And Mike was doing that. Yeah. So I saw him voting for Mike. I saw Davey voting for Mike because he fucking said he would. I think that he was doing that more just like tr- try to throw a wrench in everything. Yeah, maybe. I thought it was a challenge. Yeah, like, that's you, what you I mean. You better top that. Yeah. But I, I don't think anybody did. I read more into either. the you better top that as opposed to the I'm voting for whoever got me out. Do you think it was topped? I think... There wasn't really an opportunity to top it because Nick just Nick's won out. physical play was yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, Once he got like the back-to-back stuff, it was kind of... Yeah, it was pretty over at that Done. Point. He didn't have to really pull, you know, like we're saying, a move at that point. No. If but Nick, he had to work to get those physical challenges. Like, absolutely. That's a feat in itself. Yeah. And that completed his, his resume for me. Is like he had the physical to match the social and all the... He had got his three O's. As yeah. long as Christian, Davey, or Nick won, I think the season has a good winner. As long as one of those three wins. I, I, think, I think that Mike as a winner is a good win, too. He's a good winner on most seasons, yeah. I just yeah. think he was outplayed by three people, which is crazy. Because yep. he played a great game. Yeah. And he was completely non-physical. Non-insty at any challenge. He won one. Reward. He, yeah, he won he one. But it, I thought it was funny when they were talking about outplay. Um, and they were just like, where were you? And he's like, hey, you know, guys like Dan who are like cutting up bamboo with a machete. He's like, I can't do that. I would waste your time. Yeah, totally. Like, I'd totally get out of the way sometimes. Yeah. And he's like, the best thing to do. I, I, I just like huh? You would get hurt. Well, not even hurt. You just piss people off. Yeah. Right. I just liked his pitch of, here's what I did. I outlasted and I outwitted. Like outplay, you all got me beat. Yeah. Like I am I am not the total package for a survivor winner. And like that that pitch to me is really smart. And I know that that's kind of Christian's like the thrust of his argument is that like people aren't treating this like social engineering anymore. Right. Um and Mike really played a a you know flawless game that way. He just you know there there were too many people that's that's kind of the problem with a David's versus Goliath's is there I think there's too many people 
on the Goliath side who weighed that more heavily than like the ability to be all three and like, well, they got us out and we're the Goliaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. maybe, that maybe ego got in the heads of voters too much, but I still think they made the right decision. Yeah. Um, yeah, given, just, given their three, they definitely did. Yeah. I'm happy Angelina didn't get a single vote. I could not stand her. Mm-hmm. I think she's probably my most hated character ever since I've started watching. I thought she was manipulative and a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> a bad person. She's great TV, though. Yeah. Yes. Uh, she'll she be was. back, I think. Yeah. She's going to be. I'm really hoping for a Heroes vs. Villains season soon now that I know enough and have watched. Like, yeah. so they many might do another one in 40 from like the past 20 seasons. Yeah. Um, because there are definitely some clear heroes and villains, like, great. Yeah. Uh, she, she would fit in perfectly in a villain's cast. Yeah, she the would. villains are hard to find. Harder to find. Yeah. Than heroes. Especially ones that want to own it. Yeah, like, the only two that come to my head right away are, uh, uh, Angelina, uh, Natalie, Oh, yeah. But she wasn't represented correctly, according to her. Yeah, Probst kind of threw that <laughs> back in her face. It yeah. Was pretty insane. Um, and uh, Warner. Do you think they'd bring Warner back? Not that Warner would want to come back. Yeah. I don't think... I think he was so remorseful and he knew he messed up that I wouldn't consider him a villain. He was a villain before that. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He was a villain on Heroes vs. Villains. Okay. Yeah. They, uh... I think. Brent will correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure. But um, Brent, Brent just felt yeah <laughs> his spidey senses tingling. Yeah. yeah, I think there's an argument for Mike as a villain. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing is is Mike played the game that Carl tried to play, but Mike played it better and quieter. Yeah, because Carl did the like the Godfather shit of summoning people over to his hammock and saying this person needs to go. Right, Mike just did it. Right. When when Nick got like pissy, he was like, "What do you mean, Mike dug his heels into the dirt?" He does it every time. I think Nick was the first person to like point that out to uh, to Kara. Yeah, because she was like, "I don't know." He just dug his heels in. He's like, "Yeah, he's been doing that every vote." Right. Like that. You know, when you phrase it like that, you think like, "Oh, well, Mike's not really playing ball. He's just being like pissy." But then when you think about it in terms of like survivor gameplay, it's like, no, Mike is deciding who goes home every week. Right. Like, and that's really important to a jury. Yeah. You also don't have to be. Like brashly evil, you know, very bold. I think you can be evil while still being like sneaky and manipulative. Right. And I think that's kind of what Mike did. He wasn't like a mean person. No. Like I always enjoyed him on the show. I thought he was very funny. But he was definitely doing like sneaky stuff and kind of like plotting and scheming. And to me, like that's villainous. Yeah. Yeah. Do did you did you guys like Mike White's Idol Hunt with a glass of wine in his hand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, the piece of paper, though, just drunk. He's like, these guys are idiots. <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> Let's go away from the, the reward. It's like, okay, it's right. <laughs> it was so, like, Hollywood, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny, too, that Angelina oh my climbed, God. climbed the wall that was 50 feet high or 100, 100 feet. 100 feet. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. yeah. I could have died. <laughs> I, also- I found it myself. Uh, no, we helped you, actually. My favorite final pitch moment was when Angelina brings up the rice and Davey goes, you know, the definition of a selfless act is to do something and not expect people to like give you credit for it. Yeah. And then she immediately backpedals like, just to win favor again. Yeah. It'd be totally right. Yeah. Um, I am so hard though when obviously Dick's picking Angelina to go to the final three. Yeah. And she's like, I did it. Like, I, I closed them. Yeah, I'm a closer. I'm a closer. Like, shut up. I just, I, I wanted to... I'm curious They're if fodder. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious if uh, it got edited out. But like, why didn't Nick and Mike say anything when she was like, "It was really hard to find Idol," and I found it and I played it when it was like Nick and Mike who like told like Mike was like, "It's right there." <laughs> it says behind the rock. Oh, the yeah, she would have found Maybe it. It's just yeah. like conserve energy because they don't really have to defend <laughs> against yeah. Angelina. Yeah, and yeah. they just hurt their chances if they try and take like credit for someone else. Yeah. They did call her out, though, about Allison when someone asked, were you just trying to humiliate her? And, yeah. And Angelina was like, no. And then Nick, I think, they was did. shaking Nick his head. Nick and Mike were both doing this. Like, yes, you were, obviously. She, she was like, why are you shaking your head? He was like, yeah, obviously you were trying to humiliate her. And it wasn't her. even that good. She, Allison was like, you know, this is probably fake, but I'm going home anyway, so I'll try it. And Angelina was like, I got you, bitch. <laughs> 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 it's like, no. 
she pretty much knew. Yeah. I really want Allison just to stand up though, like walk toward Jeff and just throw it in the fire. And That's walk what back. I wanted to. <laughs> that would have been fucking great. Uh, yeah, I imagine she waited though. It's like, what if Angelina fucked up and gave me the real one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been fucking incredible. <laughs> um, any other closing thoughts about Survivor finale? You know, Nick Nick is our Kentucky Nick is our our winner. I think he's a good winner. It was a great season. It peaked in the middle. So this was kind of just like uh, denouement for me. Kind yeah. of just closing out the, the ceremonies. But it was it a super enjoyable season for me. It's already seen by um, like a lot of the podcasts I listen to that are Survivor-centric. Um, a lot of ex-Survivors and a lot of critics think it's like easily a top five season all time. Yeah. Out of 37 seasons. I so. mean, that's what Brent says, and he's seen every Yeah, he season. said it's... Hard in his top five right now. There's yeah. a chance it's, yeah. I don't think it's going to get like Heroes versus Villains. There's a couple more that are easily like your top two. But it was a fantastic season. One of the best cast ever. I don't know how y'all are, but normally after, like once a season of Survivor has started, I can maybe remember the winner of the final three. And then like people that went out pre-merged are just like voids to my memory. I have yeah. no idea who they are. But I can already remember names and faces of like half the cast. Yeah. It was a great cast to yeah. start. Mm-hmm. Are those still available to watch on CBS? Do we know? They're a bunch on Hulu, right? Hulu's got season twenty and on. Hulu's got yeah. Hulu's got a lot of it, and then if you have you know Comcast on demand, it's got everything that Hulu doesn't have. Okay. So you can for free watch everything if you have cable on Hulu. Yeah. All right. Well, I know how I'm starting my year. There you go. So Brent is. Talk to Brent. He's working on an article. I won't spoil because he's like going deep into what the article is going to be. But um, I think if you like, I want to watch all of them. You can just watch all of them. And if you're like, I want to watch like six, there's a difference. The best ones. Well, it's hard. Like if you only have time for three, the three best ones for you to watch are going to be some three. But if you have time to watch like seven, the best ones will change okay. because they bring back people. Okay. So you would need like some precursor. Like you can't just watch Heroes vs. Villains, the one that everybody says is the best season, without watching a few seasons that year before it. Right. I just picture Brent in like this pile of papers just throwing stuff around like, like that, oh, I'm so close. That like, the guy in the office <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> throwing shit everywhere. How does he do it? So he's at, like a Bloomberg terminal but all six screens are like different Survivor seasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got like some fraction in his hat for some reason. <laughs> we don't know why. Um, yeah, there's talk of season 40 being Heroes vs. Villains 2 of the yeah. last 20 years. Season 20 was the first Heroes vs. Villains. There's also talk of an all-winner season, which would be crazy. Yeah. Didn't um, they do that already? No. What was the one they've with Sandra back, again? They've brought back winners, but they haven't... That was Game that Changers. That was Game Changers. That's people who okay. made a big impact okay. on the game. Um, but the, uh... All-winners thing is funny, because Parvati, who's seen as, like... You know, maybe the best survivor player ever uh, said that's the only thing she'd come back for. It was an mm. all winter season. She's from um, Athens, she yeah. went to UGA, went to the journalism school there, and uh, was really good and a huge villain. She mm. like she, super beautiful and just played it up. Just played like 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 worse than your social game, but really really good. Yeah, yeah. And she's won and she's finished the top three once and finished in the top five for the third time. Yeah. She's very, very good. Um, so, kind of merging uh, Reality Roundup and Breezy on the Streets. Merging. I, I read some uh, details about next season. Do you want to hear or do you want it to be kept a secret? I want to know. Part of it was in the scenes from... But I've read... It this, was super I've, vague, though. I've, I've read some some leaks uh, from the website Survivor mm-hmm. Insider. So not like anyone going home or anything, but just the theme and the mechanics. Yeah, I want to hear. People can fast forward. Theme and mechanics. 15 seconds. On board. Is it going to spoil... No, it's just... It's and is just, it confirmed or is it rumored? It's, con- it's confirmed. Okay. Then yeah. So next season is uh, Survivor uh, Extinction Island. Mm-hmm. The way that it's... Edge of, Edge of Extinction. Edge of Extinction. That's right. It, the rumored title was Extinction Island. Right. Uh, I got like... You know, I stepped into Brent's lab for a little bit. Yeah, I think it's cool they got Lady Gaga to sing the theme this year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the edge of extinction. So the way it's going to work is it's going to run like a regular season of Survivor. They're bringing four people back, including, if you've been listening to this podcast since its, incep- <laughs> since its inception, uh, Aubrey's back. Yeah. Um, and then three other people um, I don't really know. One of them we know is yeah. David. He got fourth in 
Millennials vs. Gen X, I want to say. Yeah, that was right. You watched that one, we didn't. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then a couple people, like one guy who's like pure physical game player. Joe's uh, just like it's his third yeah. survivor. Yeah. Um, See the man bun? Yeah. Yeah. But so, re- like a regular season of Survivor, um, except when people get voted off, they go to an island where they are by themselves. And from this island, they don't have any challenges. They don't have anything. We don't know if they're going to be in seclusion from other people who are voted off yet. Uh-huh. But they might be. Uh, but they have like less rice, no shelter, um, you know, no fire making kits. And they have the opportunity to come back on the show at some point around the merge. And at some point on day 35 or 36. But they don't leave the show unless they quit. If you're on, edge, if you're on the Extinction Island. So... Even if you don't come back on the show around the merge when they come back on, uh, they go back to the Extinction Island. They don't participate in tribal. So it is possible that somebody who is voted out the first episode and doesn't meet people from another tribe is on the jury or is you know in the final three and the jury doesn't know them. Do we know how the jury will build then? The jury will build the exact same and then everyone who didn't quit is also on the jury. So you could, you could have three people out of the 18 be in the final three. And the jury be fifteen people. Crazy. So, so when you're voted out of the merge, do you go to extinction? Yes. Do you come watch travel? No. How can you be a jury member? Yeah. Without watching travel, people got to make their case better, I guess. Hmm. You just make shit up. So, how do you explain that to the other people? Because I'm assuming the extinction island is a surprise. Yes. How do you be like, well, no jury this year? Oh, I mean, it doesn't matter. They change rules all the time. Yeah, and like, they don't tell them. Like, yeah, I don't know if fire was brand new, and they cool. didn't tell them about it. The fire thing the year Ben won was brand new. Yeah, didn't know that was maybe coming. before the, the fire thing where they make fire to see who the third person is. Oh, that, that's and new. Yeah, that it was new me. two years ago. Oh, I thought that was the thing they always did. Yeah, the first episode, first season we started watching, they had that. Yeah, I didn't realize how controversial <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah, um, it could be that they sh- they show them like all of the the tribals before the actual jury like vote, rather than being there for it. I mean, there's other ways you could do it. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I mean, lot transcripts. <laughs> yeah, they have a HGTV on at the edge of Extinction <laughs> Island, and they just like start gnawing the TV. <laughs> I, I really do think that they are positioning it so that the the edge of Extinction is really brutal. I think that they are expecting people Forcing to quit, people to quit out of the island. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have fire or shelter, they're yeah. trying to extinct them. <laughs> yes, or, that, or, that old verb. They've been extincted. <laughs> They're going to ex- extinguish ex- them. Y'all going to get extinct. It's, it's extinct. Past tense, extinct. But yeah, so the, those those are the details that uh, are confirmed. Um, and I think it's an interesting concept. Uh, I know that, that fans aren't big fans <laughs> of uh, Redemption Island uh, t- like tactics. Yeah. Um, but it's a... Uh, this was supposed to be the... Uh, the theme and setup for Ghost Island, but they changed it okay. at some point. So this could still change, but as of right now, that's the uh, <laughs> that's the leak coming out. What is dead shall never die. <laughs> it would suck to be like, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to play balls out because if I get sent home, I'll just go to the cushy hotel for a month. And then you're like, all right, you're voted out. It's like, sweet. That's and you're pre- going to a 10 by 10 sand bar. <laughs> yeah, that was in the preview, the, the green-haired girl. is like, I'm going to go all out. if I'm. A- yeah. <laughs> she basically said that. <laughs> That'd be miserable. It's just like... <laughs> Well, I did it. I'm out day one. It's now your. I just hope that like that panning shot at the end of the guy like standing on top of a ship with a torch was just somebody who's lost their mind. On the <laughs> got really Lord of the Flies on Extinction Island. He's just holding a pig head. They don't like, send a producer to go find the producer they sent. He's like chewed up and burnt. It's like oh my god, Jeff. <laughs> They've captured Jeff Probst. They've got him like right over fire. You thought Christian had you captive. It's like straight, straight up like an Ewok. It's like Deer Hunter. Like he goes underwater for part of it. So yeah, that's they're kept in submerged cages. I'll tell you that I'd be way less Playing fields. That's also Deer Hunter. Okay, right? they're in the. I'd be less scared of being on an island with no like jungle. By myself, than I would be being in the middle of the jungle by myself. Though. I know they go in before and like remove a lot of the wildlife and yeah. relocate to other parts of the island, um, which is where they get all their like stock footage. Right. Like this year, they had that one like black tip shark that they showed every fucking episode. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably just around the boat, like in pre-production. <laughs> but uh, 
I would still not be. I'd be way more like scared of shit with the yeah, woods behind me. Getting stung. If I'm on like a twenty by twenty island with no shelter, I could at least be like nothing's coming to get me. Yeah, nothing's sneaking Sharks up can't walk. Yeah. I mean, they could like jump out of the water onto your island, but then that would be awesome. I had to take it. You got yeah. oxygen. That's like the only time I think I could take a shark. It's just like on land. Yeah. <laughs> it's on land and a shark gets you. you just stand over here and look at it until it dies. <laughs> <laughs> then I go kick it. If he gets you, you just gotta give it to the shark. It's like, well done. That was a lot of effort for yeah. you. If a shark just like walks up on its back, <laughs> water. Yeah, it'd be so fucking horrifying. English, you're on Walking Shark Island. <laughs> Survivor, Walking Shark Island. <laughs> or do Survivor? What's the name of the island where they took that Christian machine? <laughs> North Sentinel. Island. Yeah, North Sentinel. <laughs> Except all the natives are sharks. <laughs> yes, that's the twist. <laughs> Native shark. <laughs> we have lost the plot in an unexpected way. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> well, I think it's a very, really slow week for news. If anyone has any other breezy, we can talk about it. Otherwise, uh, I think we should pick uh, what people should see uh, sight unseen. Yeah, I mean, obviously I would say go see Vice. I don't need to hear Your choices. Your choices are <laughs> Holmes and Watson? No. That'd be a fun on-demand later. Yeah, cool. I'll watch it on uh, Netflix. Or probably not. TBS. I'll watch it on TBS in or, seven years. Or some other movie. <laughs> Mary Poppins. No, it's Vice is the other movie. Mary Poppins was uh, released the previous week. We already told people to go see that. Yeah. I'm telling you to go see it again. Oh, that's not your poppins returns. Every time you're returns. on the podcast, <laughs> yeah, you just like follow the rules. Go see the greatest showman. <laughs> it's not airing anywhere. So Find yeah. somewhere where it's on. So Holmes and Watson or Vice. Vice got like bad reviews before it came out, and then it came out, and everybody was like, "Oh, it's really good." <laughs> I think I don't think people were expecting it to be more of like a biopic and less of just like a comedy. Um. And you know, by comedy, I mean like a Shakespearean comedy kind of yeah. tone. But it was good. I'll go see yeah, it. What I hear is some of the like right big short tricks they do are in this as well. Like no. celebrity cameos. And there's a scene where they perform a Shakespearean play as oh, the characters. Where it's, they kind of like break fourth wall stuff. But it's for an actual you know character here that a lot of people have really recent connotations with. That really, uh, you know, abused the American government. Uh, I think some people had problems with that dichotomy. Huh. I have a question. Hmm. Did Christian Bale put on that weight, or is he wearing a fat suit? Wait, he put on that weight for real. Christian Bale wow. does that. I know. Christian Bale crazy. It's still crazy to me. I don't think that there's man. another role where he's that big. And then next year he'll be in something where he's forty pounds. I mean, he's, he's pretty big in uh, American Hustle. Yeah, but I don't think it was this big. He set he he has the record right now still right mm-hmm. between the Machinist and Dark Knight or uh, Dark Batman Knight, Begins. Batman, Batman, Batman Begins, that was it. Yeah, because Batman Begins, he probably weighs about as much as he does in Vice, honestly. It's just, but it's just all muscle, right? Yeah, and right. in the Machinist, he weighed 120 pounds. It was he was eating. I forget what he was eating. It's like eight percent body fat. He was only eating like 200 no. calories a day. He was zero percent body fat. He was yeah. He, he had, was anorexic. Sorry, I'm thinking of women. Uh, that's like low for women. Yeah. but he was like. He was I mean, amazing. it looked like I could, like, maybe connect my fingers around he, his like, he could, stomach. Yeah. People were saying on, on the side of the machinist, he could suck in his stomach and you could see his organs. You could see his sternum and yeah. all of his, like, bones, too. It was pretty gross. But, yeah. So, he might... I bet I bet the next one he's going to do is he's going to... After Vice, he's going to do some, like, eating disorder movie so that he can, like, stay on top of that record. Christian Bale and Slender Man. <laughs> <laughs> or some like not what that movie would that, be about. Chris, Christian Bale is Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> then Christian Bale is Stick Stickly. <laughs> Stick Stickly. <laughs> then Christian Bale Scruff McGruff. <laughs> notorious fat cells. Scruff McGruff. <laughs> I was just thinking <clears throat> notorious like like letter readers. <laughs> but anyway, go see Vice. Anyone have any closing thoughts? Not something we do on this podcast at this point, but. Just want to make sure I'm clear to outro. So, Talking Shark Island. <laughs> God damn it. Don't even walk me down. Just talking. This has been Talking Talk, the podcast of TheMediaByUs.com. You can find us on Facebook at The Media By Us, our group at TV By Us, Games By Us, or Movies By Us. We don't actually make any of those things, but we talk about them. Uh, you can like our page, The Media By Us. You can find us on Twitter, at The Media By Us. 
You can also send us an email on Gmail at our Gmail email, themediabias at gmail.com. Uh, please rate our podcast on your favorite podcatching app. We would appreciate a five-star review for Christmas. So rate our podcast. We would love it. And I want to give a special shout-out to our intro music from the Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers! And a special thanks to Burifa for the outro music. Burifa! And I think that about does it. Thanks, everyone. Bye! Bye! Kicking rocks down old dusty roads Small town slowpokes long time ago Kicking out records of all the things that I know All the things that I know